All right, we are continuing in our series of um, Enough, and we're taking um, some time and going back into the Old Testament a little bit, and it's changing a little bit as far as uh, what we consider enough. Um, at, at the beginning, we were talking about a lot of New Testament characters, that uh, people that had had enough of their despair, of their loneliness, of their illness, uh, they had just eat, reached the end of their rope, and that's where they found Jesus. And so with this, last week we've talked about uh, Jacob and wrestling with God, um, and he had had enough of his life and who he had become, um, and, and he had rest, in his wrestling with God, he was transformed. And we saw that in the biblical narrative that his name was changed to Israel. This week, we have kind of a unique one. We're going to talk about Jonah, and we'll just jump right into it. Our scripture begins in uh, Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. Listen for the word of the Lord. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne and took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let the people and the animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently to God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion and turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you, were, that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? This is the word of God for the people of God. See, Chris? All right, so really, when you talk about Jonah, um, it, you it's a short book. You, you kind of know the whole story, right? He, it, it, often we hear it as um, Jonah disobeying God, and he does. He's, he's asked to go to Tarshish and uh, proclaim a prophetic word of God, and he doesn't want to go. So he tries first to run from God, um, and so he runs from God. He gets on a ship. Some of you know the story. I'll just recap it for you. He gets on a ship, uh, a storm comes, um, they're, they're afraid, they're going to all be sunk, um, and he says, it's me, God's mad at me, uh, throw me overboard. So then he's trying to get out of it by, uh, I would only think, 
being thrown over in a storm like they found themselves. He was trying to commit suicide by sailor, right? He was trying to, I don't, I don't want to go to Tarshish, so throw me overboard. Well, they throw him overboard. God sends a whale, a big fish, whatever translation you're using, and he gets swallowed up. You know this part of the story, probably he gets spit out, um, and then he finally goes, and that leads us up to here. And even when he goes, though, he gives, he gives the minimum prophecy. In 40 days, you're going to be overthrown. What? You know, in some, a, a good translation of that word is overturned. And so, what does that mean? Um, so he just gives them the minimum information because as we find out, he is not happy with this. He did not think that they deserved forgiveness. And that's why he left. I mean, really, and we understand now, nobody deserves forgiveness. But as we, and that's not the point of forgiveness. But as we see this and we read this about Jonah, Jonah was an angry and bitter prophet. Even the story about Jonah um, is not really a prophecy. He gives one little sentence of prophecy. It's a story about a prophet. And the only other place is in 2 Kings where he prophesies in favor of Jeroboam II. And that's it. So he's not really a high-level prophet. And he's, like I said, he's angry and bitter. And I want to take a little side road here to show you an example you know, a few weeks ago, a month ago or so, we had a, um, a sermon about the sanitized version of the Bible, how we talk about the saints of the Bible and we, we dress them up in, in our descriptions of them as being saintly people and good people. And this, uh, I was talking with Allison about the, the sermon topic so she could get her lesson plan ready, and we came up across this uh, um, description of who Jonah was, okay? So this is how we begin to teach our kids. Jonah was a wise old man who lived in Israel a long, long time ago. He was loved and respected by the people. Everybody came to solve their problems, and he solved all of their problems. He gave them wise advice. God loved him because he was a good man, and he helped his fellow beings. Jonah loved God. He followed his teachings and prayed to God all the time. Who are they talking about? I, when she read that, I go, is there another Jonah in the Bible? See, the sanitized version. Jonah was a bitter, angry man. Who, and and so the contrast between the sanitized Jonah and the real Jonah becomes very important because when we sanitize this, I mean, not to mention there's bad theology that God loved him because he was a good man. I mean, that, that, that at its core is against the gospel. So there's really bad theology, but it obscures the whole point. Because often we hear Jonah didn't, if we had just a, a synopsis of Jonah, it would be he disobeyed God and then he obeyed God. And that's what we usually take away from that. But that's part of it. He did disobey God, but the main part of it is he disobeyed God because he didn't want 
God to forgive the Ninevites. He didn't think they deserved it. That's why he was running. Because he yells at God, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I didn't want to do it, because I know you're compassionate. And if somebody repents and turns back to you, you're going to forgive them. All right, that's Jonah. That's a little crazy. I mean, we laugh at that. That Jonah didn't think they deserved it. And so he was ticked off at God because he forgave them and they didn't deserve it because they were violent. I mean, and the, the truth is they didn't. But none of us do. That's what we don't understand about God. And so we can sit here and kind of judge Jonah and say, yeah, Jonah, that's crazy. What a jerk. He didn't think they deserved God's forgiveness. And we can say, that's, that's not right. We know better than that. But if we think about it, if we look a little deeper into our hearts, maybe we have more problems with forgiveness than we think. Maybe there's somebody or some group of people, and there's a lot, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not taking the high road here. I'm only, I'm limited. Jonah was limited. And, and, and forgiveness, we kind of sanitize that sometimes. When, oh, it's so good, just like teach the kids. When you're mad at somebody and you say, I'm sorry, and they um, forgive you, then it's broken. And that's how it is. But there's a lot worse stuff than that. The reality is forgiveness, God-sized forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is messy. The cross is messy. There might be somebody in your life that you can't forgive. When I talk about forgiveness a lot and, and or have a sermon along these lines, usually I find out stories about somebody that's been estranged from somebody in their life for a long time. Either they can't forgive or they can't be forgiven. And so we can look at Jonah and we can judge Jonah about what, what's wrong with that guy's heart that he couldn't forgive those people that God forgave and they repented. But then we struggle with forgiveness, if we're honest. I know stories as a pastor of people throughout my time and, and one after another, stories, especially family members. I know one gentleman, a good friend of mine, his um, dad wasn't the best dad when he was younger. Didn't really go to sports, was alcoholic, was kind of not, didn't really care about what he was doing. Anytime he did care, talked to him, it was kind of rough, you know, and kind of putting him down. And then later in life, much later in life, after he had married uh, the, the young, the child of this, my friend, had married and had kids, and later in life, much later in his dad's life, he came to the Lord. And he began turning, uh, going to church regularly. He went on a walk. And he was a regular at church all the time. Stopped drinking. And no matter how long or how good he did, the son had a little problem when people would come and tell him how great his dad is. 
Now, I think he forgave him, but I know from our talks, there was still something lingering there. I've had uh, one woman many years ago that her dad sexually abused her when she was a child. And the amazing thing when she was sharing me with is this has all kind of happened already. I said, well, do you see him or talk to him? Or? And I had the preconceived answer in my head. She goes, yeah, I see him. I forgave him. What? <laughs> he stole your childhood and you forgave him? Yeah. I was like, oh, I, I'm on, I'm, I'm, oof. I'm not, I'm not, I'm telling you, it's messy and it's hard. Somebody comes, I'll confess right now, there's areas, I'm a pastor and I'm all about forgiveness, but if uh, somebody is in that category of pedophile or something, they might need counseling, I'm not your guy because I'm not going to be objective on that. I'm not saying it doesn't need it because when you think about that, oftentimes they were abused and the, and the chain of that, and it gets all messy that doesn't justify what they did, but my gosh, they were, uh, when their cognitive makeup was being built, and they were abused themselves oftentimes. So, I mean, but still, I'm not your guy. I can, I can rationalize forgiveness, but I'm not your guy. Do you see, what, see how messy it can get? How hard it can be? Sometimes we might think there's a, People that commit crimes that just can't be forgiven. You know, different people. I watch a lot of crime documentaries. Not as many because I think I've seen all of them. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's people that I see and they committed a certain category of crime. And, and I can say, yeah, I can see to forgive that. And then I see somebody else. I go, oh, I don't know about that one. That's tough. That's hard. So see, forgiveness is not as clean cut as we think it is. We get in, that's why we're not supposed to judge, because we're not God. And we have to remember that God has forgiven us in Jesus. And I think God will put us in situations that we can handle, right? God said he won't put us in a situation we handle. So I always count on, you know, Lord, I let me be, don't give me a situation that's bigger than me that I'm going to turn into a Jonah. You can forgive everybody, but I can't forgive that. I don't want to be in that position. I don't want to think I'm God because it's way too messy. Now, understand... Forgiveness doesn't come without repentance. Right? We, just like the people of Nineveh, I mean, they did what you're supposed to do. What does it say? Th this, this kind of minimal prophet, prophecy came out and they said, the Ninevites believed God and they repented. They, I mean, they were so serious, they had their animals fasting, right? So, 
Repentance doesn't come without forgiveness. But forgiveness, real forgiveness, is messy. And it's hard. The cross, where we find our forgiveness, was messy. Because it deals with our sin. It comes, forgiveness and God's grace comes right in front and confronts our sin and our depravity and our humanness, and it clashes with it. And there is where Jesus forgave us. And it's powerful when you have those kind of things. It's, I mean, that story about that young lady, well, she's not a young lady anymore, but that woman who forgave her dad, that still is, I mean, it's overwhelming to me. It's so powerful because I still have trouble with how could you do that? But gosh, is it powerful. And that's why we are supposed to be a people of forgiveness because there is nothing more power, so powerful, nothing so messy, but nothing so powerful as true forgiveness. Because when we really forgive, the devil has no room to work. There's no place for hate, animosity, anger. We release that and give it to God. I want to show you, to close, I want to show you this clip. Some of you might have seen this. It's older. But it just like the story of uh, the woman who get, forgave her father, this has always stuck with me about the power of forgiveness. Some of you might remember the name, the Green River Killer. 48 women. Now, off top of the head, and I'm not saying he's forgiven. <laughs> Again, that's not my area. But if anybody can't be forgiven, it would be somebody like that, right? So uh, this isn't about whether he's forgiven or not forgiven. This is, the, this is about the power of forgiveness. It's a scene in where he's in his trial, his sentencing phase, and there are people there, just family members of girls that he had killed, just railing at him with anger and hate. Justifiable, right? Justifiable. And just this... this this time verbally to let him have it and to tear him down. And you know what? Nothing phases him. Just like another day. He looks him in the eye and he's not moved by anything. Probably wasn't moved by anything when he was killing those girls. But there was one thing that pierced his, I don't know, evil wall. There was one thing that got to him. So there's no point to that as far as we should forgive, we shouldn't forgive. I, I, that's not my area. The point is, it was the power of forgiveness was the only thing that pierced his armor. The only thing that reached whatever heart he had left. It is the power of forgiveness. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your forgiveness. Lord, we're sorry that we are so limited in our capacity to love and to forgive. It is only through your Holy Spirit that, Lord, we 
can grow, our hearts can grow and be transformed into just uh, even a, a, a glimmer of your forgiveness. Lord, help us not to judge. Help us to forgive. Help us to love. Help us to be a broken people healed by your forgiveness, your grace, and your mercy. And even if we can't forgive, Lord, help us to forgive. And let us rejoice always in your forgiveness and restoration to all those who repent. Lord, give us your heart. Give us your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.